Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Cubitt. We've been talking the last two or three weeks about um, the fear of the Lord and how a true fear of the Lord brings us to the unexpected place of peace. It's the cure for anxiety. When we can recognize how big God is, which was what we talked about the first week, that God is greater, that God is greater than any created thing, God is greater than any created idol, that God is greater than any created authority, then we know that we can have peace. When we know about God, we understand God. When we come to a place where we can have confidence in who God is, we, we don't fear anything else. This is the one thing I've tried to tell everyone since we've started day one. To know God is to fear Him, and to fear Him is to fear nothing else. If He is greater than all things, then what should we fear? The answer to that question is nothing. And then the second sermon that we preached, which happened to be last week, having moved out of that God is greater who he is, we started talking about what he has supplied to us. That he has supplied peace and provision and uh, protection and presence for us. And so we, we're, we're standing, we're believing that the more we learn about God, the more confident we will be in the environment and the situations we find ourselves in. And so, here's the question, I guess. Here's the rub. We know who, who God is, or at least to the degree that our finite minds can understand who God is. We know what God has given us. He's given us His, his presence through His Son, Jesus Christ, and His Holy Spirit. He's given us provision. He's given us protection. How come peace is still so elusive to so many believers? I talk to Christians all the time, and they're, especially now, I know, I know and I'm not going to spend time talking about this today, but especially now, the, the world seems so upside down with the election, and liberals are excited, conservatives are mad, and everybody's mad at everybody, and we got to set all that down and recognize that God's in control, that God does deliver peace regardless of what side of that fence you stand on. Our God is still sovereign. And so if we know that to be true, and every Christian, liberal or Democrat or somewhere in between, will tell you that they believe that that's true, then the question has to be, why is peace so, still so elusive? And the answer to that question, I think, is because we don't look for it. We don't try to find the peace that is available to us. We should because Jesus himself promised it to us. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled nor let it be fearful. I love this because there's, in very Jesus-esque fashion, 
There's a promise, and then there's a command. He says, I'm giving you peace. This is the promise that I have, that peace is available to you. If you haven't found it, it's because you haven't looked for it. It's because you haven't sought after it. It's not because it's non-existent, because Jesus said that he gives peace to the believer. But we are obligated to look for it, because in this promise is a command. Let your heart be, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And here we are. We're troubled, and we're fearful, even though we have the promise of peace. Why? Because we refuse to try to find it. I want to tell you a story, uh, much like I do in the beginning of most every sermon. There's a story of finding peace that I found very pointed. There was a, a guy about 120 years ago that was looking for a specific kind of painting. And he wanted a painting that he, he called a peaceful masterpiece. He looked all over, his, his, all over the world, tried to find a picture that displayed perfect peace. He had a perfect place in his house where he wanted to put it, but he wanted a picture, a painting of what he thought peace would look like. And un, being unable to find one, he commissioned artists to paint one. And so he had a contest. He said, I'm going to give a contest, and I'm going to give a su substantial amount of money to the person that can paint the greatest peaceful masterpiece. And so he does that. The word gets out. A hundred plus artists come together. They all do their own version of what they think peace should look like on canvas. And one after the other, when the day came, they would uncover one. And everybody would be amazed at how beautiful the picture was, and they would clap, and then the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one. And they got through all of them except for two. And the last two, the second to the last one, they uncovered, and it was literally everything that you think peace would be. It was a perfectly steel mirror-like lake that had birch trees and a shepherd's field next to it it was there was a beautiful sunset in the background it was everything you could imagine yourself sitting in that field just enjoying the peace and calm and the quiet and the noises associated with with that kind of environment and everybody would just applaud it they were super excited they, that this has got to be the one and then the guy unveiled the last one and this last painting caused everyone to step back because it was not all in their mind what they thought it should be to be this peaceful masterpiece it was a it was a storm and a waterfall and the waterfall was raging and the clouds were breaking and there were lightning and the trees were bent over from the storm and it, it you you could look at it and you could almost feel the cold mist coming off the waterfall. It, was, it seemed to be anything but peaceful. It was the, probably the picture of tumultuousness. And people think, man, they must have got the wrong painting put in this contest until the artist looked and said, I need you to look closely. And there in the middle of the waterfall, there was a split. 
And in the cleft of the rock, opened up where the split was, was a small bird's nest with a small bird in it, not paying attention to anything around it. That bird in the middle of that cliff with a break in that waterfall was totally undisturbed and content. He was completely unconvinced and unthreatened by the storm that was surrounding him. This is perfect peace. And like the people that are looking at these paintings, you're not going to find it until you look for it. The world may be upside down. The storm may be raging. The waterfall may be blowing. The, the trees may be bending. It doesn't matter. If you will stop, concentrate less on the storm and more on the peace, you'll find it. It is there. And when you do find it, you're going to find that you're as unconvinced, as unthreatened, and unthreatened by that storm as this bird was. But we have to be will <coughs> excuse me, we have to be willing to find it first. And so today I want to talk to you about finding peace. How do we find peace in that storm? And praise God, as is often the case, he gives us an answer to that question in his word. If you'll turn your Bibles, and I'm afraid that you have yours open, to Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to go to a set of texts that most everyone hearing my voice has heard before and is probably relatively familiar with. It says this, Again, Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. If you're at home, wherever you are, I want you to hear that. The Lord is near. And then the next words, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. And so i got a couple of points, three actually, that I want to make concerning how to find peace when there doesn't seem to be a possibility for peace. Number one, find peace in the knowledge and the presence of God. Find peace in the knowledge and the presence of God. Verse 4 and 5 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your general, gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for the, the Lord is near. I'm going to stop right there. To know Him, I'm going to say this again because I think it's important, to know Him is to fear Him, and to fear Him is to fear nothing else. And so when it says 
rejoice in the Lord always, we get to do that because of what we know of God, what we have seen of God, what we have experienced of God, what we have planted from the Word of God in our hearts and our spirits, what we have confidence in. I tell you, I can't emphasize enough, (coughs) excuse me, what comes into our mind when we think of God is the greatest factor in determining our peace. I'm silent for a reason. Because what you allow to enter into your mind concerning the God that you serve is the greatest factor in determining the level of peace that you will have. Which immediately affects your ability to rejoice in all things. Let me explain what I mean. The church's idea of God is the most revealing thing about her. I used to teach a men's mentoring group. And one of the first things I would ask those guys, because I wanted to know where their head was, I would ask them in one word to describe their earthly father. I'd give them a week. I'd say, I need you to come back in a week, and I want you to spend that week. Just come back give me a single word that you'd use to describe your earthly father. And man, it would be amazing, the, the stuff that they would come back with. And without getting into all of that, I'll tell you what my word was. My word for describing my earthly father was absent. As many of you guys know, I didn't grow up knowing my dad. My papa ended up raising me when I was a teenager, but I, di- I didn't know my dad, and so he was, he was absent. He was present somewhere, probably, but totally disinterested, seemingly, in anything that I had going on. Why do I tell you this story when we're talking about God? Because it's been my experience that when you find yourself in stress, when you find yourself lacking peace, you fall back on your one word that you would use to describe God which is often the same word you'd use in describing the example of God that we've been given, which is our dads. And so I don't know what word you would use to describe the God that you serve, but I will tell you that I have learned that that word is not absent. He is present, not just somewhere. He's present right here he's not disinterested he is totally interested in everything that we have going on he has a hand in all things the church has to come to this realization what is your idea of god and how does that idea of god give you peace bring you peace I would challenge you, spend the week, spend two weeks, spend however long it takes to ask yourself, if I had to define the God that I serve in one word, what would it be? The church, and I do that because I tell you, and I believe it with everything that's in me, that the church will never be more heartened or disheartened than its declaration of who its God is. And now, more than any other time since I've 
I've been alive. We need a heartened, not disheartened church. If I was going to define God now, it would be all present for me. He sees me. He knows me. He loves me. He desires to spend time with me. He knows the hairs on my head. He knows the same of you. He has my name, your name, engraved in the palm of his hand. The sands of the seashore don't outnumber the thoughts that he have of you, has of you. This brings me great joy. This brings me great peace. This makes me understand that he is everywhere. I can rejoice in all things according to this text because the Lord is near. God is everywhere. He is present. You're going to be all, Pastor Jim, we talked about that last week. We talked about how the Holy Spirit is in us and because the Holy Spirit is in us, then there's a presence of God that goes in us. And that's true. And I don't ever want to underestimate or understate that. But I will tell you there's another presence, and that is his omnipotent presence. He is literally in every square inch of every square footage of every space on earth in the universe. He exists in all things. God is everywhere. Hebrews 4.13 says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom he must give account. He is everywhere. That brings me great peace because I know no matter what I'm going through, no matter what's going on in my country, no matter what's going on in my church, my job, my employment, my family, God is everywhere. God is with me. God loves me. God desires me. All of those things that we talked about, the provision, the greatness, all of those things are present, not just inside of me, but around me. God is surrounding me, keeping my enemies from me. He has promised to be my shield and my bulwark, that he is not going to let any weapon form against me prosper. These are truths, and they're truths because he knows, and he knows because he is everywhere to see all things. You want to know how to find peace? Recognize that there's no place that you can run from him. There's no place you can hide from him. There's no place that he can't be found. Sadly, in a sinful world, we think these things are negative. They're not. They're beautifully positive things. Psalm 139 proves how beautiful and how true this is. 7 through 10, Psalm 139 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. Did you catch all that? Even if I go, you're there. Even if I go here, you're there. Even if I go here, you're there. High, low, deep, wide, you're there. And then the promise of ten. And there your hand will lead me. And your right hand will lay hold of me. You want to find peace? Find peace in that. If 
find peace in understanding that God is everywhere. Not just in you, but surrounding you. And he leads you and guides you and takes you wherever you want to go. Mm, that's so good. God is so good. But the fact of the matter is, we struggle still finding peace. Still rejoicing in all things. There's stuff. There's stuff this week, I'm going to be honest with you, that I have had a hard time rejoicing in. And it's, it may be a couple weeks of me getting there. But you know what? You know how I figure out how to rejoice in the Lord always? What do I do? I maintain a God consciousness. I draw near to God. I don't push God away. I don't, I don't call it his fault that things have turned upside down and blame him. I pursue him. I chase him. I desire him. I expect of him to, to keep his promises and his word over my life. These are the things that I do. I don't push him aside or deny him. I look for a God consciousness. And I do it by seeking. I want to read you a text from David out of Psalms. David is being chased by Saul in Psalms 57, 1 through 3. It says, a choir set to something, something of David when he fled from Saul in the cave. And so David's in one of the worst times of his whole life. The guy that he thought was, was the, was a father to him that he thought loved him that he was loyal to that he never raised a hand against was jealous of him and was trying to chase him down and kill him and ran him out of a luxury out of luxury and into the desert every reason in the world to think god had forsaken him because after all david had already been anointed king by this time did God forget him? Did God abandon him? Did God cause him to feel like he was no longer significant in his plan? All of these things are the natural thought processes of man. But David didn't say any of those things. This is what he said. Be gracious to me, O God. Be gracious to me. For my soul takes refuge in you. He didn't say, I'm running from you. I can't believe you treated me this way. He said, you know what, God? I'm going to stand, and I am going to seek refuge in you. I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to rest in you. I'm going to expect your promises to be true. And in the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge until destruction passes me by. You know why he was able to say that? Because he understood the truth of Psalm 91, which says that no enemy, that, 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 no, uh, that nothing would be able to come against him. That he would be able to survive pest and pestilence and all of these things. That there a thousand fall at his one side, ten thousand at his other side. He knew all of these things to be true. And so he was able to say, until destruction passes me, because I know you're going to take care of me, I'm going to rest right here. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to stress. 
I'm not going to rant on Facebook. I'm not going to talk about my problems with my friends who are just going to make it that much worse. I'm going to sit here in what seems like the worst moment of my life, and I'm going to rest in you declaring that you are all-sufficient, all-knowing, all-capable of taking care of me, and I'm going to do it until the destruction that the enemy has for me passes me by. Then in verse 2, he says, I will cry to God most high, to God who accomplishes all things for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He approaches him. He reproaches him who tramples upon me. God will send forth his loving kindness and his truth. I don't, need to say, I don't know that I need to say anything else. He encouraged himself in the Lord. When was the last time that you recognized that God was everywhere, that he wanted to take care of you, that you could seek refuge in him, that he would ensure that the enemy wouldn't prosper over your life, that, that you would not be destroyed? When was the last time you took confidence in all of these things and then made, because of those truths, was able to make the declaration of Psalm 57.7? My heart is steadfast. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises. What if? This is a big what if. But what if, instead of whining and complaining and talking trash, what if we just decided to focus on God instead of our situation, instead of our problems, instead of our environment, instead of our politics, and we just said, God, my heart is focused. I am steadfast on you. My heart is steadfast, and I will sing praises to you. Because let me tell you, you're not going to keep negative and praise in your mouth at the same time. But we have to understand that this is the path. This is the path to rejoicing in the Lord always. Seeking after Him. Maintaining a God consciousness. Knowing that He hasn't forgotten us. This is where our joy and our peace start. In remembering God's character. This is what David did. I know who you are. This is the reason why we spent two weeks before today talking about how big God is, who God is, what He has given us. Because until we know who He is, we can't fear Him. Until we know who He is, we're going to fear everything else because we're going to deem everything else bigger than He is. I don't want to yell at you today, but I just want to scream from the mountaintops, there is peace available to us if we will keep our mouth shut and our heart closed to the ill things going on around us, and keep our heart open and our mouth open to the glorious wonderment of the God that we serve. You rejoice always in seeking after Him and recognizing that God is right here, that He sees you. I could go on and on and on. I feel like probably I have for longer than I should but 
I want, I desire, I believe God desires for you to have a comfort and a peace and an understanding like you've never had before. And it's available to you if you'll just recognize first the character of the God that you serve. Number two. We find peace in thankful prayer. Verses 6 and 7 read like this. Be anxious for nothing. (laughs) Be anxious for nothing. How do we do that? Recognize that God is near. Maintaining a good God consciousness. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One of the biggest truths I'm going to tell you today is right here. Are you ready for this? Peaceful people Respond to anxiety with thankfulness. Peaceful people respond to anxiety with thankfulness. When was the last time that you approached God with an attitude of thanksgiving? The acts of prayer and supplication refer to specific direct offerings or petitions of God. To prayer is a general call out to God. A petition is a request made to Him. The idea of the text, though, isn't the three different ways that you pray. You pray in prayer, you pray in petition, you pray in thanksgiving. But it's to say that regardless of whether you are praying a general prayer or petitioning God for something, you do it with a heart of thanksgiving. We should cry out to God when we have a problem, when we have a need. Not doubting Him, not blaming Him, not questioning Him, but with a heart set on thanksgiving. Thanking Him for everything that He's already done. Instead of having a spirit of rebellion approaching the throne room as though we're owed something, we should trustingly cast our care on Him, our anxiety on Him, knowing with a thankful heart that He's already answered that prayer. I'm all up here big-handing it today because I'm super excited. I hope I'm not being too distracting. But I need us to understand. Heart of thanksgiving. 1 Peter 5, 6-7 through 7 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He might exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him, Because he cares for you. Casting all of your anxiety on him. Casting all of your anxiety on him. Not some of your anxiety, part of your anxiety, the anxiety that you think you can't take care of, that you need him to take care of, all of your anxiety. Pastor Jim, that's impossible. It's not impossible or the word of God would have told us to do it. What it takes is practice. An intentionality to be thankful. And we have all the reasons in the world to be thankful. 
Scripture gives us tons of reasons to be thankful. He's promised that no trial believers face will be too difficult for us to handle in 1 Corinthians 10.13. He promises that, we, that He will use whatever happens to us for our good because we love Him and are called according to His purpose, Romans 8.28. He promises suffering leads to our being perfected, 1 Peter 5.10. We have so much to be thankful for, y'all. Man, the next four years or eight years are going to be horrible. You know what? Until Jesus comes back, the four years after that's going to be horrible. The four years after that's going to be horrible. And the four years after that's going to be horrible. The only thing that's not going to be horrible is the promises of God's Word over His people. And so if you're going to start practicing, you might as well start practicing right now. Recognizing that we have so much to be thankful for we have for his glory his promises his hope from suffering the hope of his glory his mercy his his affection for us the fact that he sees tomorrow and he knows what we'll be doing there and even if we die listen to me even if we die we have a hope of eternity with christ jesus hmm that's why Paul said, die to live as Christ. Which means to live means I'm going to glorify Christ with everything that I have. To die is gain. Which means I'm going to be better off dead. Can you believe that? Can you believe that heaven is better than earth? And that a life of sacrifice and thanksgiving and willingness to trust the God that you serve? is worth an eternity with him this is how this is the primary way i find peace because i know at the end of it all no matter what happens i'm going to be with jesus and god promises to keep us through it all he promises to keep us through the worst of times isaiah 26 3 says you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. What am I talking about? I'm talking about keeping a God consciousness. I'm talking about in that God consciousness having a thankful heart. And in that thankful heart knowing that God, because we keep our mind focused on him, will watch over us always. Mm. And that ability... Let me get back to this word. That ability to keep us always should give us peace that according to this text is beyond all comprehension. What does that mean? Beyond all comprehension. I don't know what beyond comprehension is because I can't comprehend it. Beyond comprehension means that peace we can come to, the peace we should have is beyond human insight and analysis. It means a transcendent peace. A peace that rises above your situation, rises above your circumstance, rises above the politics of the world, rises above your financial status, rises above your, your physical status, your emotional status, whatever, whatever you're dealing with. It rises above all of those things. That is, that is what the Word of God calls peace beyond comprehension is a peace that just that's 
otherworldly that looks down at what keeps everyone else down and says, my God is bigger and greater and I belong to him. And because he is bigger and greater and all powerful and all knowing, again, we're going back to what we know of God, the character of God, then I know that regardless, all of that is down here. And he promises to guard that in us. <coughs> what does guard mean? That's what the scripture says. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Guard is a military term used for soldiers on military guard duty means he's going to protect and guard those who trust in him. I was in the army, as, mo as most of you know, and you did not leave your guard post. You stayed diligent to ensure that nothing that was supposed to stay inside came outside, nothing that was, wasn't supposed to go inside went inside. And I think if if I was capable of doing that in the flesh, God is more than capable of doing that in the, in the physical and the spiritual. God gave us everything we need for peace. He gave it to us in his son, Jesus Christ. He gave it to us in an understanding of who he is, an understanding of his character. And all he asks is that you trust that he guard it, that he will do according to his word. Number three. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Last point I want to find today or want to make today is that we find peace in meditation. To say to dwell on these things is to do, introduce an important truth. Peace is a result of how a person thinks. Peace is a result of how a person thinks. We have to form a habitual discipline of our mind to set our hearts, our minds on these things. Because Proverbs 23 7 says for as a man thinks within himself so he is what do you think about yourself you ever met somebody that's always mad it's always cynical it's always angry that's always happy i have you know why because they have habitually set their mind on those things there are people, there's a guy I know, his name is Pastor Greg, or Greg Brewer. He has a mind that is, 
He is always gracious. I, I don't think I could provoke Pastor Greg into saying something ugly about somebody. Because he would find something nice to say about them. But that didn't happen by accident. I'm sure he cultivated that. That's not, that's not in our flesh to do that. He cultivated that. But I've met other people at the same time who I won't name that no matter what good news you give them, they're going to find a reason to make it bad news. Angela says it this way. Give them a bag of gold. They complain about the color of the bag. You know why they think that way? Because they've disciplined their mind to think that way. They've created a habitual mindset to think that way. We've been called to be something else, to do something else. We've been called to meditate on those things according to the Word of God, which are true, which are honorable, which are right, which are pure, which are lovely, which are of good repute, excellent, anything worthy of praise. We've been called to dwell on these things, which means when somebody says, it's a beautiful day, you don't finish that sentence with, yeah, but it's supposed to rain later because God made the rain and that's beautiful too. We need to learn to habitually discipline our minds and set our hearts, our thoughts on all things according to this word. I ain't never happy. That's because you say you're never happy. Can't find peace because you're not looking for peace. This whole thing's got me upside down. It gets, it, man, I get it but it doesn't change the truth of the word. Your emotion doesn't change the truth of the word. Your idea of the truth doesn't change the truth. I think biblical meditation right now is paramount to the sustaining of our culture. Because it's been the decline of our culture for too long. We, we meditate and we, we ask questions that say, will it work or how will, I, how will it make me feel? And then we meditate on those things. And then we do something outside the will of God because those things will never bring you to a place of truth. The only question that will bring you to a place of truth is, is it true? And our unwillingness to acknowledge the answer to the question, is it true, with a yes and do it, and a no, which means don't do it, is that truth has died in our society. And the lack of truth has destroyed our peace. And it's worked its way into our theology. The church is too concerned Yeah, I'll say it. The tr church is too concerned with not making anybody mad and making sure their churches are full than they are about telling the truth. And it's destroying the peace in us. Because it's caused us to meditate on the things that aren't true but convenient. Sometimes the I'm not saying everything that the Scripture tells us to meditate on is going to be easy for us. 
That may very well likely not be the case. But we were never promised or guaranteed easy. We never look for easy. We look for truth. And so now we have houses of God filled to the brim with people that wouldn't know truth if it hit them in the eyes, walking in miserable, walking out miserable, because no one has told them the only thing that will bring them peace, which is the gospel message of Jesus Christ, uncompromised. Hmm. And our churches are dying for lack of truth. Our people are dying for lack of peace because the churches are dying for lack of truth. Let us get back to a place individually and corporately. Not just as a LPC church, but as the church. To declaring the truth of who God is. How great He is. How wonderful He is. How big He is. How beautiful He is. How sustaining He is. How capable He is. How He gave His Son Jesus Christ to us that he died on the cross that we might have eternal life that we were condemned but no longer condemned because he loves us because he loves them and wants to do the same thing for them this is where my peace is found and my peace only grows the more that i think about it and you have to think about it because faith is a thinking man's game it's not a shot in the dark thinking is essential to sanctifying faith. There are, now I'm not going to deny, there's some mysteries out there in the scripture that y'all, I don't have any idea. Ask me to explain Trinitarian theology, I'm lost last year's Easter egg. But it doesn't mean I don't think on these things. How can these things be possible and walk in faith that they are? It causes me to meditate on them and then the, it grows in a feeling of how awesome God is that he would understand something that my mind could never comprehend and my peace grows God wants us to have peace God gave us everything necessary to give us peace he says meditate on these eight things and I'll read them again whatever is truth Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence or anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And then in verse 9 he says, The things you have learned and received and heard and seen of me, practice these things. What are these things? All of these things are the word of God. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. He's talking about the word of God. The word of God is true. The word of God is honorable. The word of God is right. The word of God is pure. The word of God is excellent. The word of God is worthy of praise. And we dwell on these things to know the God we serve. I'm going to go all the way back to the one thing. To know God. Which this is the greatest revelation of who God is to mankind. 
is to fear Him, to reverence Him, to love Him. And to fear Him is to fear nothing else. It says, and the God of peace will be with you. Hmm. I love that. His presence is essential for the peace we seek. And His presence becomes more obvious to us the more we know about Him, the more we seek Him. Which brings me all the way back to the beginning. I don't care what your portrait looks like. I don't care what your painting looks like. If the wind's blowing, if the thunder's cracking off, if the lightning's flashing, if you can feel the cool mist of the hell that you think is on earth, if you look for it, there's peace there. And that peace is Jesus. If you're listening, and you belong to Launch Point Church or you don't, and you don't know that peace, the only peace available that's going to last for any amount of time is the peace given through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that he died for us according to the word of God because he needed to. Because Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But that all that we have to do to ensure that we move from a place where we are desperately removed from God into a place of relationship with Him, where all this peace is available, where all this love is available, where righteousness is available, where being in His presence is available, is to declare out of our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. To say, God, I accept Jesus as Lord. I'm going to do as He tells me to do. I'm going to live according to the Word. I'm going to set myself aside. And I believe, God, that you raised Him from the dead. The Bible says all you have to do then is, is make that declaration and you will be saved. In Romans 10 9. If there's anybody listening that doesn't know the God of peace, He's available to you. He came here voluntarily and died for you for no other reason than He loves you and wants to spend eternity with you. But in that, bring you peace today then right now is the time. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask first that God give peace to the people within the sound of my voice. That we have a provocation to search after God through His Word and meditation and prayer. And that if there's anyone in this that's viewing this, that's listening to me, that if they don't know God, through Christ Jesus, they know today. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we love you. God, we start every prayer this way because it's, the, it's honestly the only way I know to start a prayer. And I thank you that you offer peace. That peace can be found in your word. That you have given us your spirit that we can walk in peace, that you have surrounded us with your presence, 
that we may feel and know peace. God, that it doesn't matter what our enemies are doing. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. You are that crag and that rock where peace can be found. We thank you, Heavenly Father, God, and ask that you give us a a desire greater than we've ever had to pursue you in thankful prayer, to pursue you in the meditation of your word, the pursuit of it, an understanding of it. We ask that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know you better, so that we can walk in the peace that you've promised us. God, we're thankful that you will. God, for the people in this, within the sound of my voice who don't, who may not know you, who have never declared you as Lord or have allowed themselves, as the writer of Hebrews says, to drift away. God, but they've come to the understanding that they, they need a relationship with you through your son Jesus. And that whether they know how to pray that prayer or not, God, I, I pray it so that they may know how. And if you're listening and if you need to make this prayer, pray along with me. Father God, I, I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me where I've fallen short of your holiness, of your righteousness. God, I ask that you not only forgive me, but that you send your Holy Spirit to empower me, to show me how to walk the way that I should walk, in a way that's honoring to you. I turn from my sin, I turn towards your son Jesus. God, if I fall, I ask that you pick me back up. If I have fallen, I ask that you continue to carry me and pick me back up. God, give me a desire like I've never had to pursue you. I thank you. We declare Jesus Christ as Lord. We believe that you raised him from the dead. We praise your holy name because although the declaration itself is simple, the ability for us to make this declaration was all but simple for you. And so, God, we just worship you and we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.